Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome out to another episode of Redeemed Through His Blood. Scott Durfee here, joined as always by David Durfee. What's up, Dave? I'm a little melancholy. Why? Oh, Scott. You know, life life is is good, but it seems to it seems to speed up the older you get. I my grandson enters the MTC today. Oh. And I was just thinking on the way over today that wow. Wow, I, I, our third grandchild going on a mission. And um, it, it just seems like, and I'm thinking about, you know, pretty soon. Uh-huh. Well, you know, it's one thing, uh, you're raising your children, you're in the middle of it, you think it's never going to end. And then, uh, then all of a sudden, one starts to leave, and before you blink, they're all gone. And then uh, you start having grandchildren, you have those great, uh, great events, family events, you know, spaced out during the month or the year or whatever, and you you cherish that, and then your grandchildren start to leave on missions or get married, and then all of a sudden you you I mean, what's what's the we know what an empty nester is, right? When they lose their children, but what do we what do we call those people who lose their grandchildren? Well, first off, let's rephrase that. You're not losing them, <laughs> okay? <laughs> and second off, you're not being put out it to feel, pasture as, like a, as a grandpa or anything like that. <laughs> it so it let's, just let's feels like, you know, here. so yeah, it's sure. never the same. No, I know, I know. It's I know. never the same. I, and and it's, there's, some, there's some deep irony in all of that because, you know, remember back to when you were a f- young father and you had young children. I'm doing the same as I'm asking you to, but, but remember back to those days Sometimes those days felt like months. I know. And then sometimes those years felt like days, and that's kind of... But you look backward, <laughs> and it's like, where did all that time go? I know. I know. I, I always say that my children's childhood was one of the most wonderful weeks of my life. Because <laughs> it just seems to have That's that the way fast, it looks right? when you look backwards. Hey, but I did see some great news. Um, your granddaughter got to experience, uh, who's on a mission, Yeah, got to experience somebody entering the waters of baptism. She, Isn't I think she cool? even put on yeah. a post, uh, I got to be with so-and-so as so-and-so took made their first covenant. She's having an amazing mission. I, well, I'm so happy for why her. Why wouldn't she? She's an amazing she's person. An ama- she is. She's an yeah. amazing person, yeah. and she's so positive and so happy. And this last week, she found 12 new people to teach, she said, in 24 hours. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know what 24 hours means, if she was looking in the middle of the night for them, or I don't if either. that includes sleeping hours, or... If that includes uh, two I days of work, but I don't care how you measure that, though. That's that's pretty remarkable. <laughs> that's pretty. That's you know, and that's that's up by the Harmony, Pennsylvania. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, she's staying in a little little town there, Susquehanna. It's in called. fact, the pictures that she took were apparently on the rivers. Yeah, of the she goes to church. Yeah, where where the church is, uh, history site is Susquehanna yeah. River site. Did we go there? We did. Yeah. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, those pictures look. Yeah, really we went there. Remember the Susquehanna River? Yeah. Oh yes, I do. Of course, I do. A, that was one of my most ex- most, uh, most yeah, wonderful we, experiences we, of my life. Was standing there. It's one of my favorites. Well, sites. you know what had happened was here we go down a rabbit hole. But here, what had happened was is uh, just prior to that, only weeks prior to that, I'd been uh, set apart as our elders corn president. Oh, so wow. when we yeah. stood there on that river, the weight and mm, uh, the keys, uh, yeah. the, and it wasn't a heavy weight, but the, just the enormity of the blessings and the beauty that comes from the the power of the priesthood. I, I for some reason just being there, it just brought all that to 
me. Anyway. Yeah, yeah that was that was sweet. I still remember that. Yeah. I, I, it's always fun to take people there and to give them uh, give them a half hour of just quiet time to yep. walk up and down the river or step by the river and ponder the power and blessings of the priesthood in their life. Yeah, that was wonderful. Anyway, she's doing great. And so I'm just a little melancholy because, you know, my grandchildren are leaving us. When they come home, it's it's awesome when they come home. But it's different. But it's different. Yeah. It's never quite yeah. the same. Yeah, it's true with our children, Never too. quite the same. And I've I've been thinking about that on the way over here today, thinking, uh, you know, how not only how can I be a better granddad, but how could I have been a better granddad? Oh. Isn't that kind of human nature? Yeah, it is for us. I know that. <laughs> it seems like, yeah. you know, I, I mean, I've been a fine, I've been a, a good granddad, a, You've been a okay, great granddad. granddad. I'll say, and it. and yet and yet, whenever you start going through these melancholy moments or experiences, you know where where there's change, you always you always think, you know, how could I have been better? Yeah, and I don't think that's bad. You know, I think you know Paul invites us in the New Testament. I love it where he invites us to examine yourselves. You know, it's good to examine yourselves. It's good to kind of review and. And so when I say I could have been better, I'm not beating myself up. I think that's the difference. Yeah, you're just acknowledging the. Well, you know, and, and I'll I say guess it, I'm acknowledging my humanness. Yeah, which is the obvious, yeah. right? We all could have done better. We can always in all, almost everything that we've do done, we could have done better. The <laughs> point is, though, is and we'll get back to this as we go through the podcast. Uh, you know, especially when it comes to things that matter, like. Uh, uh, being a dad, being a granddad, being well, a husband, all of those things, you know, we, we, it's our job to do the best we can and where we can't. That's where the compensatory enabling and redeeming blessings yep. of Christ's atonement come and kind of make up God. the difference, right? There's no such thing as a perfect person. Nope. There's no such thing as a perfect dad. There's no such thing as a perfect husband. Nope. There's no such my thing as a perfect granddad. My wife can attest to that. There's no such thing as a perfect Anyway. Husband. But, hey, but today, yeah. Well, I, I just want to say this too. One part of the reason you're melancholy, and this is true with Dave, because I've I've had kind of a, a pretty close uh, view to this. You're buddies with him. You guys are friends. You have the ability, David, to be good friends with your grandkids, like yeah. your dad did. Your dad was that to me, you know. Well, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I can see that, Scott. And, and that's yeah. important. And and you know that that kind of that bond, that buddiness bond, if you want to call it. That it's, or it's true. <laughs> yeah, and know? he's he his middle name is my my name. Oh, it is. I didn't he's know. He's kind that. of my namesake. Okay, grandson. Yeah, I have a good one name. of them. And uh, so you know, I. That doesn't that doesn't mean I love him anymore, but it just means he has my name. Right. And there's something about that, Scott. And we we probably should remember that when we get into what it means to take upon ourselves the name of Jesus Christ. We'll remember because it. when you when you share your name with someone or somebody shares your name, and they uh, have been given your name out of respect, you know it. There's something about that relationship. Yeah, there is. Uh, so anyway. I have a I have a two year old grandson who is a Scott Durfee. <laughs> yeah, do you? Yeah, yeah, he's two, and uh, yeah, he's there's he's, something about that. He's kind of my namesake, that's for sure. <laughs> my wife calls me Wreck It Ralph because I'm not super careful with stuff. Yeah. Well, Scotty is even that on steroids, so we <laughs> yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, it's kind of fun. Anyway, let's get to the podcast. Today. All right, so we're really starting the course today. I mean, everything else we've done has kind of been introductory. 
And uh, so now we really start the course. And when we talk about um, redemption, we have to talk about the plan of salvation. And I think most people, when they think of that term, plan of salvation, they immediately think of uh, pre-mortal existence, mortality, and post-mortal existence. Right. Uh, You know, where did we come from? You know, why are we here? And where are we going? And where are we going? And uh, and I included that. And who are we? Right. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna start there with uh, talking about the plan of salvation, and especially the today. And we'll see where we go, and and maybe even next time to some degree, talk about the uh, pre mortal existence because I I think Scott, it's it's one of the most uh, precious uh, truths of the restoration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, uh, there's evidence that the early Christian fathers believed in it. Well, we know that Jesus Christ and the apostles taught it, that they made reference to it. We have scriptures on it that, that we treasure and know are sacred and true. But even even some of the early Christian fathers and uh, bishops of, the, of early Christianity believed in a pre-moral existence, but through the apostasy, after uh, after only three or four hundred years, that truth was lost, was taken out. So I think it's really one of the great um, doctrinal nuggets of the Restoration. So, and and I believe the reason it's so important. We maybe should state this right off the bat. I think the reason it's so important is because when you know who you are, and when you really believe that you have spiritual DNA of a God, when you understand what the soul is, that the soul, when we say soul, it means something totally different than what other Christians or other religions define as a soul. We believe that man is spirit. I mean, that's Doctrine and Covenants section 93. Man is spirit, that we were before even a spirit, we were an intelligence and that we were created somehow or organized as a spirit from an intelligence by heavenly parents. And it took a mom and it took a dad to create our spirit. And that through this creation, and and I don't know, Scott, I know we don't know all the details, but I just think that's significant when I just said it takes a mom and it takes a dad to create a spirit from an intelligence. And nothing nothing more has been revealed to us before being an intelligence, or really what an intelligence was, or what state of existence we were in as an intelligence. But we know we were created an offspring of God. That's Those are Paul's words in the Bible, right? That's uh, Acts 17, that we are the offspring of God which means an offspring of heavenly father and heavenly mother and knowing that truth believing that not just not just knowing it but really believing it and allowing that to affect our relationship with them it should inspire us Scott to to do better and uh, to want to be more this is something that kind of uh, makes our restored gospel uh, a little different. There's a differentiator there. 
if you think about how all of this came about, you know, we have Satan. We're going to talk about how, you know, a third of the hosts of heaven were um, eliminated from the opportunity by their own choice, eliminated from the opportunity to come here. Uh, you know, it seems like if that was your goal was to throw down or to get rid of all of Heavenly Father's teachings and and important principles that would help us draw back to him, that would be maybe one of the first things that you would want to erase would be for sure the would be the existence of our 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 spirits in a spirit world living with heavenly parents in a preexistence because you know if we can if he can erase all that then that begins that's the very beginning you know yeah, the, the pre- we're just animals exactly preexistence and creation was the father to the fall the fall was the father to the atonement of Jesus Christ the atonement was of Jesus Christ is what allows us to go back so if you can just jet mess it up from the very beginning yeah uh, you know and, and I think that that's part of the problem there yeah yeah if you're if if you're Satan, you sure don't want to know. Yeah. They want people to know about how how they participated in a grand council of heaven and how they overthrew him right. and defeated him in a war in heaven. So I, I, I we've said that today's lesson, I think it's important for, for two major reasons. Number one, to know who you are. Knowing who you are, the offspring of heavenly parents, should inspire us, should help us, should strengthen us. And second, Scott, which we'll discuss today, is uh, is understanding to a greater degree the council in heaven and the war in heaven, and understanding uh, those uh, events that happen in the pre-mortal existence to the best degree that we can, uh, will will tell us a lot about what we are experiencing here in mortality. I mean, if we if we really understand the the council in heaven and how how we honored agency and how God especially honored agency. And then we understand the war in heaven, which was all about trying to destroy that agency. We, we can, it will really help us and strengthen us here in mortality because what we see really the essence of what's going on here in mortality right now. And it, it seems to be accelerating uh, and it, it seems to me to become becoming even more obvious that it's all about overcoming others and taking away their agency, whether that's through whether that's Satan's uh, um, effort in causing addictions, all the addictions that uh, destroy agency, whether that's in war, whether that's in in force, or however that may however that may take place, it. Uh, it's pretty obvious that uh, Satan uh, wants to own us and destroy us by taking away agency. Yeah. Well, and, and there's that. You know, I think he wants to own us, and I think he wants to destroy us to take away agency. But I also think that there's a lot of this that has to do with um, his, um, I don't know how to put it, his way of... Um, snubbing i don't know the better word you know snubbing god you know make it to well ultimately he would like to destroy god's plan that's what i mean by this you know yeah and 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 so i think that it's really his way of saying okay god you didn't let me have it my way i'll show you you know that kind of thing and 
And, and you know, and, and I'm with you. You know, I think that uh, there's been a great acceleration, and maybe it's just because we become, as you mentioned earlier, as we become older, maybe we just become more sensitive to these things. But I don't think so. I think that we can take a, a, a metric look at what's happening in our society today, and we can take a look at the, the faith challenges that we're seeing among people in our, yeah, own, true. In our own faith. Yeah, true. We, can, we can see sin taking on new flavors and new appeals and new, you know, enormous type of attractions that to people that maybe weren't quite as susceptible to that before in the past, but now we're seeing it more. De- denying the truth that man is spirit, that, uh, that ultimately, Scott, it really comes down to that. Man is spirit. Man, woman, we are all spirit. Right. That the soul of man includes a spirit. That's right. Which was created from heavenly parents. Denying that truth really opens us up to all of the the power of the world and the worldliness and the temptations of the world. I, I mean, I was driving over here today, thinking a little bit about this, and and the song that came on the radio was "Material Girl." What? I am a material girl, and I yelled at the, I yelled at the radio. You are spiritual. You're a spiritual girl. You are not material. Anyway, you know, I, I mean, the what's the philosophy of the world is that we're just uh, potassium and some salt, water, and yeah. flesh, and yeah. and uh, that we have uh, uh, evolved from from a lower form of life and. And then when we die, it's over, or anyway. <laughs> man is spirit, Scott. Yeah. So let's just, maybe we should start with that scripture. That's in Doctrine and Covenants, section 93. And I, I just, I mean, I th- I think that, you know, when this revelation was was received back in 1833, I think it must have been mind-blowing to some people because they they didn't have any concept of this in 1833. In verse 36, the, the glory of God is intelligence, or in other words, light and truth. Light and truth forsake that evil one. Every spirit of man was innocent in the beginning. And God, having redeemed man from the fall, men became again in their infant state innocent before God. And then if I go just back to verse 32, And every man whose spirit receiveth not the light is under condemnation. For man is spirit. The elements are eternal. And spirit and element inseparably connected receive a fullness of joy. That, that, that is just <laughs> is a revelatory. I don't know a better word. That was just That was a revelation that... I'm sure many people had no concept of then, and so much of the world has no concept of it today. Man is spirit. So if we, if we believe that, and because of the, re- the restoration, we have some idea of what we did as spirits, who we were as spirits, uh, what happened when we were spirits in a pre-mortal world or pre-mortal existence, you know, I wish we had maybe a, a better title than that, that we could describe that uh, state or that place where we lived before we, before we came here. But uh, Abraham, let's go to maybe Abraham Scott, chapter 3. Uh, people will remember this from their 
seminary days. It's always been a uh, scripture mastery scripture. Now the Lord had shown unto me Abraham the intelligences that were organized before the world was. So intelligence organized, that's, that's the term he uses. That we were, uh, that would make us a spirit. And an organized intelligence is a spirit. So he sees in his spirits, and he describes them as intelligences that were organized before the world was. And among all these, there were many of the noble and great ones. Now, I, I know that we, th- we think of prophets and apostles and, and uh, sisters, amazing sisters of the Restoration. We, we think of all of those individuals. But, Scott, I, I've given enough patriarchal blessings to know that most individuals who overcame Satan in the war in heaven were pretty noble and pretty great. Right. And the youth that are coming down to the earth today were definitely among the noble and the great ones. I I know that's true. I that that has come to me so many times in giving patriarchal blessings. Verse twenty three of Abraham three, and God saw these souls that they were good, and He stood in the midst of them, and He said, "These I will make my rulers." For He stood among those that were spirits. Man is spirit, Scott. They were spirits, and he saw that they were good. And he said unto me, Abraham, thou art one of them. Thou wast chosen before thou wast born. Now, we, we learn that in the Bible uh, with Jeremiah, that before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee, right? That's right in Jeremiah 1. But here it is again, this idea, this doctrine of foreordination. Now, that, that just that in and of itself, forget the premortal existence for a minute, the doctrine of foreordination, Scott, can be a powerful uh, motivator to to change us as individuals to believe that we were foreordained to do uh, important things that we were chosen before we were born before the world was created before as the scriptures often uses the term in describing Jesus and others that before the foundation of the world or before the foundation of the earth that people were chosen, that there was a plan, that we were foreordained. We'll look at another scripture on that in Alma. And, uh, and then he, de- he goes on to describe that those who keep their first estate, and our first estate would be our pre-mortal existence, that's in verse 26, that they who keep their first estate shall be added upon, and they who keep not their first estate shall not have glory in the same kingdom with those who kept their first estate, and they who keep their second estate shall have glory added upon their heads forever and ever. So we often think of the pre-mortal existence, here's another title for you, uh, as our first estate, or as Alma, as Alma calls it in Alma uh, chapter 13, in the first place. The first place would have been our pre-mortal existence, where we existed as spirits. Uh, we, we know that in the... Uh, in the uh, pre-mortal existence or first estate, that there was a plan presented to us. Uh, We don't know a lot of details about the Grand Council in heaven, but that there was a plan presented to us and uh, that Satan volunteered to do the plan and he would get all the credit, he says. Uh, We won't read all those scriptures. Those are in uh, Moses. 
that he would uh, that he would take the credit and that uh, people would give him the glory. He may even God would give him the glory. And it was obvious that it wasn't so much a plan, Scott, as it was a rebellion. I, I don't think Satan had. I don't even want to give him the respect. To call it a plan. It was just flat out wicked rebellion. It was war, and uh, Heavenly Father had already decided before Satan ever came into the picture that his firstborn son as a spirit, that our elder brother, Jesus Christ, would be the savior and the redeemer of the plan. It was the father's plan, and he had chosen Jesus Christ to fulfill that plan. And Jesus humbly, in the middle of this rebellion or this war, says, uh, you know, I, I will go, and I will, I will be thy son, and I will do thy will. And it's just totally different uh, attitude uh, between those those two. I, um, you know, I think we give maybe Satan. Just my personal opinion. I don't like giving him a lot of a lot of credit, or even saying that he was uh, some mighty spirit in the pre mortal existence. I think he was extremely charismatic. I think he was extremely influential. But I, I don't. I don't. Uh, it, it says that he was one who was in authority, but not, I don't, I don't think he was second to Jesus. I don't think he was uh, one of those mighty ones, really. I don't, I don't believe that, Scott. Now, I know he was powerful, and he continues to be, and I know that he's effective in what he does. Right. Now, I know he has, uh, uh, this is not a compliment, I know he has great talent to be wicked, but um, his pride, Joseph Smith said that he that he fell because he sought sought excellence. He he sought to be in charge. He sought to be the one who would get all yeah. the glory, all the credit. And uh, the son, on the other hand, was uh, all the credit will be thine. Uh, thy will be done. Uh, I will go, Father. And it was totally out of humility and love, not just love for the Father, but love for. All of those younger younger siblings as spirits in the pre mortal existence that yeah. Jesus had acquired, and uh, that he was uh, foreordained before the foundation of the world, before even Satan rebelled, Jesus was foreordained, and uh, Satan probably knew it, but this was Satan's uh, effort to overthrow it. So uh, let's see. Let's should we look at? Uh, Let's look at let's look at Alma chapter fourteen, Scott. All right, I've got it right here. Do you have it? Fourteen or thirteen? Uh, thirteen. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I'm going to start in verse two. Yeah, perfect. And, and those priests. So Alma thirteen, verse two, beginning in verse two. And those priests were ordained after the order of his son, in a manner that thereby the people might know in what manner to look forward to his son for redemption. No, no. In that verse alone, there is so much hopeful doctrine given to us. Right well, think there. about that as an elders quorum president. Yeah. What, what's my purpose in elders quorum To help president? people look towards Christ. For redemption. Period. That's it. That's it. And, Honestly. And, and, and it's not just as an elder school president. It's as a Sunday school teacher. It's as a primary president, which Deb well, is. what about a, a dad? Or a dad. Granddad. Oh, my goodness. Mom, grandma. Yeah. Brother, yeah. friend, sister, friend, neighbor. What right. should be our purpose? Yeah, to help others to look towards Christ for redemption, right? 
and and it, and everything else, you know. So we had a we had a discussion in Sunday school uh, this past week, and the discussion was how do we help our children and get grandchildren develop a greater relationship with Jesus Christ? And it's interesting to me, and I won't I don't want to get into any any details around this, but it's interesting to me how when we talk about sometimes just because of the way we're programmed. When we talk about how do we have a deeper or better relationship with Jesus Christ, we immediately go to the stuff we can do. Yeah, we immediately go that to we're good at how. <laughs> yeah, or that we're good at. Prob- Often. Probably more emphasis there, you know. But but you know, is my hair length exactly right? Am I mm-hmm. do I have? Am I going to the te- to the temple uh, with? Uh, uh, yeah, I, I I hesitate to get into any examples, no, I, I, but you I know understand. what I mean, right? I, totally... I mean, when we focus on paying the tithing, which is important, and I don't ever want to be quoted or misconstrued as saying, Scott said that's not important. It is important. It's extremely important. Uh, all of that's important. But when we when we don't focus directly on that, establishing that relationship or looking to him uh, unto him, we have redemption, then we're missing the mark. That yeah. is exactly right. One needful thing. That's it. One. <laughs> now, to get to that one, to get to that one, there's some qualification and there's some things that need to happen in our life, but it's just by way of alignment. We'll get there. Yeah. I'm going to start over. And those priests, this is verse 2 in Alma 13, and those priests were ordained after the order of his son in a manner that thereby the people might know in what manner to look forward to his son for redemption. Oh, I love that. And this is the manner after which they were ordained, being called and prepared from the foundation of the world according to the foreknowledge of God on account of their exceeding faith and good works in the first place. Or in the first estate. In the first place, being left to choose good or evil. Therefore, they, having chose good... And exercising exceeding great faith. Not just great faith. Exceedingly great faith. <laughs> we're called with this holy calling. Uh, what kind of calling? I mean, the, it, you hear callings talked about, but there's, this is one semi-rare instance when we read with a holy calling. Yeah. Yea, with that holy calling, which was prepared with and according to a pre- preparatory redemption for such. There you go. Isn't that powerful? Yeah. Those two verses are, uh, again, mind-blowing, especially being uh, coming forth in, uh, in 1829 yeah. when this was uh, all translated. Let me, let me read four, too. I think that's, uh, that's applicable here. And thus they have been called to this holy calling on account of their faith, while others would reject the Spirit of God on account of their hardness of their hearts and the blindness of their minds, while... If it had not been for this, they might have had as great a privilege as their brethren. Yeah. Yeah, and five says, or or in fine, in the first place or first estate, they were on the same standing with their brethren. Yeah. But because they hardened their hearts, they they were lost, which is one-third, which is describing in just briefly there yeah. a little bit the war, the war in heaven. Well, it's amazing, Scott, that anyone who holds the priesthood or enjoys priesthood blessings or enjoys uh, ordinances or covenants, uh, sisters who are set apart and and uh, function under priesthood keys, all those in who in any way experience the power of the priesthood in this life 
were foreordained in the first place or first estate, pre-mortal existence, to enjoy those blessings here. But not everybody who was foreordained will enjoy those blessings here. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> you know, B.H. Uh, Roberts and some other uh, brother in the church uh, believe that being foreordained was because of God's foreknowledge. Yeah. He knew. He knew that they would keep it or they wouldn't keep it. And if they were foreordained, they're going to keep it. I mean, there's there's some brother, and I'm just telling you. I don't... I, my answer to that the question is will will everyone keep their foreordination i don't know and it doesn't affect my salvation no but there are there are some opinions that if if that's based on god's foreknowledge they're going to keep their foreordination and now i don't know that's true in fact i think it's probably been taught by others that that you can lose that 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 it's it's your agency. I mean, God's not going to force you to do it, but based on His foreknowledge, knowing all things from the beginning to the end, I don't know. Yeah, that's interesting. Because prior to you just saying that, I would have thought, well, you know, because of our um, ability to come down here and have ch- make choices and have free agency, free will, and all of that, but. Uh, you know, yeah. this, this is how I choose to think of it, Scott, because it, because it inspires me. I'm, I think Elder McConkie uh, had, a, had a great test of great doctrine, or whether it was true doctrine or not true doctrine is, does it inspire you to be a better person? Right. And if it inspires you to be a that that was just one point of several of his points on how to test doctrine. And uh, the, the, this doctrine of, of uh, foreordination, if I think... You know, God knew I was going to do it. Yeah. Yeah, good point. Yeah. God knew I could do it and yeah. that I would do it. Yeah. I think we He had... knew, Scott, that you would overcome your addictions and hold priesthood keys. Yeah. And you were foreordained to do that, and nobody would have thought that 10 years ago. Well, well, 24 years ago. Or 10. <laughs> was it 24 years ago? Yeah, 25, actually. 25 yeah. years ago. 25. You just celebrated that. Yeah, just last Thursday. So nobody would have believed that 25 years ago, but, but God wasn't worried about it. He, you were foreordained to do that, and he knew that not only you could, but that you would. I, I don't know. That's, 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 that's something that inspires me. Yeah, you know what? Now that you now that you position it that way, uh, I, I find inspiration in that too. I have people in my life that I love dearly that uh, aren't uh, obviously choosing to follow Heavenly Father's path. Yeah, we all do. I but, do too. But based on what you just said, you know that that can also help us as parents if those people they'll come around. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they'll come around. God knows them. Yeah. Yeah. And they're 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 maybe they're failing right now. However, you want to define that or, or measure that, but well, maybe yeah. maybe they're failing in their testimony. Maybe they're failing or wavering in their faith. But um, but God knows them. That's so true. Uh, Sunday when we were done with our church, Deb and I went and spoke at a fifth Sunday where we shared our experience, strength, and hope around the atonement of Jesus Christ and addiction recovery and and things like that. And I had a couple of parents. Uh, come up to me, uh, just wonderful, wonderful people, uh, telling me about their son who had been sober for a couple of years. 
And, you know, this is, this is what any faithful parent would be concerned about. You know, my son's sober now, and he's making better choices than he had been in the past. And, it, you know, this stuff can be scary. Right. Uh, I mean, we, right. we lose people to death totally. and suicide. We have and so much fear. All, uh, all that, yeah, all the that. time. But, you know, it, but, but now, he's, now he's sober, but he may not necessarily have aligned his life yet with gospel principles. Right. Uh, I, I, that that's happening, you know. And, and one of the things that we talk about in uh, the, the uh, rooms of recovery is if we really have integrity, which is what we have to strive for. If we really have integrity and we really have a testimony, then absolutely one day we will be better aligned with gospel principles. But that can take time. And to know that for ordination for our children is there can, if we, if we view it right, can take away some of the fear that we as parents feel. I told this young couple, hey, I know how you feel. I, you know, I've laid at night recently staring at the ceiling, just stewing over and freaking out and worried about my own son, who's yeah. now sober too. But, but, you know, three months ago, I couldn't say that, and that was a struggle. So I get that. But knowing the coordination piece could be in place for these kids, for these people, can really add inspiration. It, it can it can change love one's that. life and inspire you. Now, God's not going to force anybody to keep nope. their ordination, but but again, I, I'm what I'm banking on here, Scott, in in this idea. And again, I don't know, and there's no official doctrine on this, but it, I'm just going off what inspires me. Yeah, I know God knows. And I know because he knows he's in control. God is in control. I know that. And that, that gives me a lot of peace. It gives me a lot of hope. He, he's not going to manipulate. He's not, not only is he not going to force, but he is not going to manipulate. The other, the other thing we need to remember when it comes to foreordination is no one was foreordained to do anything bad. Now, he may have known that they were. You know, when we say foreordination, was it, real, was it an ordination? Did somebody lay their hands on your head and ordain you? Was there ordination involved? This, this idea of foreordination, we know so, there's so much more we would like to know about the pre-mortal existence. We have been taught that, there, that we made covenants there. We have been taught that, that, we, that we received, you know, um, certain blessings there. Were we foreordained? Was it not just based on, is foreordination not just based on foreknowledge, but some sort of ordination? Like a priesthood? Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know, Scott. I but, don't either. But this is what I know, yeah. is that when we talk of foreordination, no one was foreordained to be a bad guy. Right. That's not how God works. That's not how he, he thinks of people. A lot of people think that Judas was foreordained to betray Jesus Christ. There's no foreordination in any evil that might be done in this world. That's Now, God may know that they will. He may know because of his foreknowledge that that may happen, but he, you can't say they were foreordained to do that. That's different. So I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a subject that I think can be really inspiring and helpful in understanding who we are and to motivate us to, to, uh, to seek to return home to our heavenly home. But um, I, I, we just don't know if, 
if everyone's going to keep their forward nation or not. But I would like to think that uh, most of them, if not all of them, will because, again, of the of the foreknowledge of God. I can't imagine him foreordaining anyone to yeah. anything yeah. if he didn't well, believe or know that they were going to do it. You know, we talk about that. That provides. I, I, I've been. My mind's been going a million miles an hour as you've been talking about this. But you know, we talk about how this foreordination that can inspire us, especially for people around us. You know, at, at least at first glance. You know, for example, you know, if I have children who are struggling, and I do, we all do. Uh, and you know, if they are foreordained, and that foreordination is going to be kept, that take that takes a lot of worry out of, and fear away from me. But yeah. but what's even more than that, maybe, and I. Have had these thoughts when I was going through my own experience of overcoming addiction, overcoming natural man. I'm still in the process of that, obviously. But I had those same thoughts and experiences. You know what I would read and about or remember about foreordination. If I really am foreordained to this and I really am one day going to uh, fly right, so to speak, you know, that provides personal inspiration too, Dave. Right. No doubt about it. Yeah, you know, so you know, if that's how I'm gonna, if that's how I'm gonna be anyway, why don't I just start now? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, uh, I love. I've always loved this quote. We've shared this before in previous seasons, but I've always loved this. And and uh, Elder Maxwell was present when this uh, this thought was given. This was given in a uh, CES fireside many years ago. This is a, a stake president who uh, I can picture him and hear his voice. Uh, a really popular humanitarian or humanities professor and stake president at BYU. Uh, his name was Lel Woodbury. And uh, President Woodbury, in a uh, commissioner's uh, fireside, church education fireside, he, this is what he said. So uh, I'm going to read it. You tell me what you get out of it. Let's talk about it. Equally complete now is each of our lives before the Lord. We are continually before Him. The totality of our psyches, personalities, bodies, choices, behaviors, and outcomes are always before Him. Knowledge of this fact should change our entire approach to life. For life becomes then not a cumulative, additive process, one in which we layer on increments of perfection like successive coats of lacquer or varnish. Life is rather a challenge to discover who we are, not to determine who we shall become. Who were we and what were we when we shouted for joy as the foundations of the earth were laid? What feats, what great feats, did we perform in the great battle in heaven? How did we keep our first estate? Why and by whom were we foreordained to the holy priesthood, to leadership positions, to heirship in the house of Israel? In what way are we created in the image of God? How are we his sons and daughters? How literal is our endowment to become kings, priests, and gods, queens, priestesses and goddesses the greater prophecy the greater prophecy scott is not what we shall become but who we are and i would just put in parentheses and how god sees us the challenge is not to add on perfection 
but to strip away blindness. I love that. The challenge is not to add on perfection, but to strip away blindness and corruption and to discover who we really are. The essence is greater than the promise. We are better subsumed in being than we are in becoming. Now, I love the idea of becoming and all that uh, President Oaks and others have said about we are becoming, and I, I know that. But what he's saying here is we don't spend enough time in trying to understand who we were in the pre-mortal existence and who we really are than to tr- trying to continually prove ourselves in this life. It, it's, it's kind of a different approach to how, to how you live life and the effect. Knowing, having that knowledge of who you were, uh, we're going to share a few experiences of individuals who are close to, to us, uh, individuals who I know, who because of the revelation they personally received and the glimpse that they received in their patriarchal blessing or by other means, uh, when, when, when you get a glimpse of who you were in the pre-mortal existence... <clears throat> That Scott, is the you're not you're not so worried about trying to prove yourself in not this at all. life. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're just trying to be who you were. Right. That's different. Yeah. That's a different approach. Yeah. If we if we could just get a glimpse, if we could just part the veil for a moment and see who we were and the participation that that uh, we experienced in the pre-mortal existence, supporting, sustaining. Uh, Scott, I gave I gave, I've given two patriarchal blessings the last. Two weeks, both of them were powerful in supporting Jesus Christ in their pre-mortal existence and defending him and the Father's plan of redemption. Now, I know that about these, about these youth that, that are coming forth to prepare the earth for the second coming, that all of that was foreordained based on the foreknowledge of God and their participation in the pre-moral existence and who they are as spirits. And if we could just get more in touch with our spirit self and who we were in the pre-moral existence. Oh, Scott, it would, uh, I, I just think life would, uh, would take on a different meaning and our approach to living it would be different. Oh, yeah. You asked me, you know, my take on what you just read, and I have so many things, but I think it really boils down to just one main thing. We, we learn about who we are. We learn about this foreordination, and, and we learn about all of uh, the great and wonder, a lot of the great and wonderful things, you know, that we participated in there that prepared us to come here. What we really learned there, though, that we have forgotten because of the veil, and we have to come to a remembrance of, yeah. and we do that when we partake of the sacrament, we remember him. And, and so not only did we know a lot more about ourselves there, but we knew a lot more about him. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and understanding that foreordination yeah. may empower me, and it does. There's no question. But what it does even more than that, David, is it points me away from myself and to him yeah. in this life. I love, you know, and I'll read this real quick. Adam Miller, I know you love Adam Miller. I love Adam Miller. Wrote a book called Letters to a Young Mormon. Uh, and this is just one excerpt from it. 
and I love this, keeping the law doesn't earn you heavenly merits and breaking the law doesn't uh, earn you hellish demerits. Okay, that's fine, and that's for a conversation that we'll have down the road here. But both merits and demerits are about you. The purpose of the law is to point you away from yourself, free you from the self-obsessed burden of your own story, and center you on Christ. Yeah. And and I think that's where that begin, right? You don't need Definitely. to generate merit in order to be saved. You would need to instead to come to Christ and rely wholly upon his merits of him who is mighty to save. So when I start worrying about, I got foreordained, I made promises, and I come down here and I've already screwed all that up. I've already made a mess of all of that. Uh, then I'm seeing it wrong. You're seeing it totally wrong. Totally wrong. Totally wrong. And, and if I don't remember that from there, uh, everything else is going to be difficult for me to put into place too. I mean, just just real quickly, you know, you take you take an example of my my son who we adopted, who has fetal alcoholism, who has Asperger's, who has struggles with bipolar, and and all of his all of his struggles, Scott. You know, in that, I'm not sure he sees himself, but the way he should, but and I know the society doesn't see him. Even close the way that God sees him, but but his mom and I have received a glimpse of who he is, and and I remember sitting out on the deck one day and us kind of talking to each other and and uh, saying, "Wow, isn't he going to be glorious in the resurrection?" Yeah. Oh boy, <laughs> all it, that pent up. Isn't potential. he going to oh be glorious in yes. the resurrection? Yes. And uh, honestly, Scott, I know I know this life is a test, and uh, I know this is scripture, right? Let's this is Moses. So let's send him down there to prove themselves. I know that, but I, I for example, uh, Truman Madsen used to always say uh, about the Abraham and Isaac and the great test, the Abrahamic test. That why would God ask Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac? Why would God do that? And Truman Madsen's answer to that question was always, well, God knew what he would do. He didn't ask him to do that because God wondered whether he would do it or not, whether he'd be obedient or not. He did that so that Abraham could learn something about Abraham. He did that so that Abraham could learn about himself and to be more, become more focused upon this whole idea of the father sacrificing his son and to focus Abraham on redemption through Jesus Christ. I mean, Scott, that's what it all comes down to. Yeah. If, if, honestly, if we could just see ourselves the way God sees us, if we could just get a glimpse of, of standing in the premortal existence, of raising our right arm or even going to war to defend the the plan of redemption and to a, a, a to defend the commission given to Jesus Christ to be our Savior and Redeemer, I I mean if we could see that, think of how that would inspire us and and uh, pull us, well, and strengthen us towards doing doing better. It would do all that, but it would also provide a lot of relief. It, it would relieve us from virtually any anxiety that we experience here 
uh, with the exception of those that suffer from organic depression, it would definitely relieve a ton of our depression that we experience here. Yeah. Fear, gone. Yeah. Right? If we just come to the knowledge of that, fear, gone. Anxiety, gone. All of those things that really beset us in this mortal existence would really not have any power over us. Right. Right, Scott. So we probably should end today by turning to the uh, book of Revelation in the Bible and reading just uh, those, ver- those few verses about the war in heaven. Most of this chapter is on the war in heaven. It's Revelation chapter 12, verses 9 through 11. But uh, if you want to read those, those three verses, the Revelation chapter 12, verses 9 through 11, and then let's talk about what we learn about who we were and about the role we played, and not just that that we overcame Satan, but how, how did we overcome Satan in the pre-mortal existence? Which means, really, how will we overcome him here? This, this scripture, I think, is, can be life-changing. And the great dragon was cast out, the old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now this is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. So... That, that last verse, verse 11. Now, we, we learn a lot about God. We learn right. a lot about the accuser. Yep. The title given to Satan, which is perfect. How he accuses us. And not, not just there, but he continues to accuse us here that we aren't spirit, that we are only, you know, flesh and blood. And that we, anyway, he continues to accuse us. He, he accuses God. He accuses our Savior. He accuses everything and tries to make good evil and evil good but verse 11 they overcame him i this is us scott this is this is all of those who have come to this world with a body they overcame him by the blood of the lamb in other words scott uh based just on that line brother matthews believed that we repented in the spirit world that uh, it wasn't just through the enabling power of Jesus Christ and his atonement, which had effect on us in the pre-mortal existence, Mm -hmm. but that it was through the redemptive power of Jesus Christ and that we repented there. In fact, he he taught that, hey, if you can commit the unpardonable sin in the pre-mortal existence, which Satan and one-third of the host of heaven did, if you can commit that sin, there must have been other degrees of righteousness and unrighteousness in the pre-mortal existence, and we must have known something about sin, not the same, not in the same sort of physical way that we understand sin here in this life, but there must have been some de- degree of it in, to, to some extent, and I, I don't want to get into all the philosophy of that, but the, the point is, we knew that through Christ and the blood, and you know, he didn't have blood there, but we must have seen it. We must have seen the atonement of Jesus Christ, and when Isaiah describes the atonement of Jesus Christ and how we all looked upon him, I think that's describing our pre-mortal estate 
in existence when we all saw the atonement of Jesus Christ before we were born, that we overcame Satan by the blood of the Lamb. We knew about the atonement of Jesus Christ, and we relied on him. That's number one. And by the word of their testimony, we had testimonies, Scott, in the pre-mortal existence. We bore witness. We were missionaries. We were sharing our testimonies by the word of their testimonies. And in sharing those testimonies, we would have influenced others. There was a war, a philosophical, uh, a war of words, a war of uh, beliefs. Uh, So anyway, we had testimonies, and it was not just by having them, but by the word in sharing them that we overcame Satan there and Scott. That's how we'll overcome him here. Right. And then third, and they loved not their lives unto the death, meaning we were willing to go to the wall for Jesus Christ and the Father's plan of redemption in the pre-mortal existence. We were willing to give all that we had, even our whole souls, our whole spirit, our whole life, in the pre-mortal existence before we came here. And that's how we'll overcome him here. So, who are we? We're his. It's, uh, I, it's uh, Scott, I think that this one doctrine, which, again, we, we have to acknowledge the role of the prophet Joseph Smith in the Restoration, that we even believe this or that we even know this, uh, that before we were born, that we were foreordained, that we were among the noble and the great ones chosen, that we were, that we are spirit, that our spiritual lives are the thing that matters the most. That these, all of these truths can maybe be appreciated and applied by this quote of President Uchtdorf when he said, I testify that God sees us as we truly are, past, present, and future. And he sees us worthy of his rescue. You may feel that your life is in ruins, he says. You may have sinned. You may be afraid. You may be angry, grieving, or tortured by doubt. But just as the good shepherd finds his lost sheep, If you will only lift up your heart to the Savior of the world, he will find you. He will rescue you. He will lift you up and place you on his shoulders, and he will carry you home. I I just testify, God knows us, God. He knows who we are. And the fact that we're here and that we're engaged in, in his kingdom, building his kingdom in preparing the earth for the second coming of Jesus Christ should give us some idea of who we were and what we were foreordained to accomplish. This should give us so much confidence and humility and faith and hope and love. So I I hope our our listeners will maybe reread some of the scriptures we shared and find their own and ponder these truths and... uh, find their favorite quotes from the prophets on uh, who we were and as much as you can about our our pre-mortal state and let that inspire you here in mortality. 
And I think it's that remembering that sometimes we struggle with. I think it's often common. I don't know if I would use the word easy, but it is easy too to sometimes forget and have have a lapse in in memory of those experiences. I think that they the best way for me. And, uh, you know, maybe this can be our invitation. You just extended one to uh, go search the scriptures for this. But maybe maybe one one uh, invitation I could extend to is maybe we just add to our prayers this week. Heavenly Father, help me remember who I am. Please just help me remember who I am. And, and I promise us all that through the Spirit, if we seek and strive for alignment with Him, with Jesus, with our Heavenly Father, with the Spirit, uh, that the Spirit will bear witness to us uh, whose we are, and also maybe empower us in ways to help us to retain that memory, that memory, Dave. Instead of uh, striving so hard to add on perfection, right? maybe we should try to strip away blindness. And as always, have a great week. Remember who you are. Remember whose you are. Remember that you have been redeemed through his blood, and we look forward to being with you next week. Till then, take care.